morning. Good to see everybody. Welcome home. Uh, thanks for worshiping with us. Those of you who are watching online, thanks for, uh, for joining us. If we haven't met, my name's Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to say, welcome back, Pastor Kyle, who's here today. His, uh, his hip surgery went really well. He's officially not back to work till tomorrow, so don't ask him any church-related questions today, okay? But um, Kyle, I've prepared a song for you today. I spent a lot of time on it, a good um, minute and a half, maybe last night, and uh, this is just for you. I'm going to put it up here by my microphone. So, uh, and Gen Xers, you're welcome for taking you back to your childhood with that, with that song. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, good to, good to be here. Like I said, good to see all of you today. I, I started putting this message together uh, last week, and I kind of had, you know, kind of had most of it together. I'm just sure this happens to you sometimes, Kyle. You kind of have most of it together, but it's just missing something uh, to kind of bring it all together. And then Monday night, we had our district uh, pastor's Christmas banquet over in Carthage, and one of our pastors on the district gave a devotional that was, that she, she talked a lot about, uh, about this phrase, it's not supposed to be like this. It's not supposed to be like this. And as soon as she said that, it, it, it brought my message all together. So I'm plagiarizing her this morning, okay? Um, it's not supposed to be like this. We're continuing our, our series, obviously, our Advent series, our Christmas series. This year, for the title of this series, we decided to go with clarity instead of creativity. This is what happened. That's, that's the name of the series. We're just looking at what happened in this amazing, beautiful, wonderful Christmas story. And so last week, Pastor Jeannie kicked us off, did a great job talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they, of course, were John the Baptist's parents. And his birth was, or his conception was a little bit miraculous as well, not on the same level, obviously, as Jesus's was. Uh, but today, that's what we're focusing on. We're focusing on Joseph and Mary. And uh, is there a better phrase to describe at least the early part of their story than it's not supposed to be like this? It's not supposed to be like this. Here's what we, here's what we find. Matthew chapter 1, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he didn't want to divorce her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So let's stop right there. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. It's not supposed to be like this, right? It's not supposed to be like this. We know Joseph, he was a, a common, everyday, blue-collar worker who we can assume just wanted to settle down with his wife, maybe have some kids at some point, live a good, quiet life as a carpenter. And the woman he's engaged to, whom he has envisioned settling down with, living his life with, comes to him and says she's pregnant. And he knows it's not his. It's not supposed to be like this. And, and furthermore, she's telling him this nonsense. She's given him this story that she hasn't actually cheated on him. 
She's pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. Yeah, like that ever happens. It's not supposed to be like this. Again, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. I I went to Mary's parents. I offered them this dowry. I asked for her hand in marriage. The rest of our lives is out in front of us. It's not supposed to be like this. How How could she... In fact, if, if, gentlemen, what would go through your mind? Even ladies, put yourself in a man's shoes and you're betrothed, your fiance comes and says, I'm pregnant and you know it's not yours. I'm going to guess at some point Joseph thought to himself or maybe even said out loud, okay, this is nonsense. It's going to take an angel visiting me in the middle of the night to convince me this is true. Well, Joseph, funny you should ask. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. That's what it would take. Isn't it, it, fellas? That's probably what it would take. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. I always thought that was a weird... Really? Do you have to include that detail? But I... (laughs) I think that's there just to give further evidence. This was no natural childbirth. I think that's why that that sentence is there. Joseph named him Jesus. By the way, um, those of you, if you're going through the Advent devotional with your kids or grandkids and you haven't gotten to it yet, uh, when you get to this verse, uh, just be prepared for the question, what does consummate mean? Okay, just just be ready for that because you might have to answer. Just a heads up, okay? That was supposed to be a joke. Okay. All right. So I wonder what Joseph was thinking and feeling now. I mean, it tells us that he woke up the next morning, but I'm I'm guessing he, I mean, it seems like I would have woken up if an angel came and visited me in a dream. So I imagine Joseph lying awake there before falling back asleep and and, and I, his heart's racing and his hands are trembling and adrenaline's coursing through his veins because he just got visited by an angel. And all the thoughts and emotions that, that must have been running through his mind, and it must have been the whole gamut of thought, all the thoughts, all the emotions, good and bad, must have been going through his mind. And I can't help but think that one of them was still, it's not supposed to be like this. I'm an ordinary man just wanting to live an ordinary life. It's not supposed to be like this. As we think about Joseph and Mary's story, can I ask this morning, what is your, it's not supposed to be like this? For some of you, that's a really raw question because you're in the middle of it right now. What is yours? We have a lot of people in our church family who've lost loved ones this year. 
Maybe it's an end of a relationship or a diagnosis or, or adult kids that aren't living right. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's not something specific. Maybe it's just looking around at your life and thinking, this isn't what I thought life would look like at this point. What is your it's not supposed to be like this? I know this is heavy this morning, and Pastor Jeannie's message last week was a little heavy, and I, I was kind of wrestling with that. Do we want to do, do heavy again, but I just, I just keep going back to this. And I think part of it is because here lately, God just keeps bringing to my mind and bringing to my attention how utterly broken this world is. Again, with people losing loved ones, often in tragic circumstances, people receiving diagnoses much younger than they should, relationships, marriages breaking up. You know how, you know, you just kind of, sometimes you just kind of get involved in your routine and your day-to-day life and you're just kind of on cruise control. And I don't know about you, but sometimes God just kind of, it's like he just says, put the brakes on, Adam. I want you to consider this thing here. I want you to consider this thing here. And and lately, for me, it's been the brokenness of this world that we live in. And while, yes, that's kind of depressing to think about in in kind of a strange and indirect way, thinking about the brokenness of this world we live in actually brings a certain degree of joy to my heart. I know that's a weird statement, so let me explain that. When I think about how broken this world is, it deepens my understanding and it deepens my appreciation for the salvation and the abundant life and the eternal life that that baby who was miraculously conceived came to bring us. The more I think about how broken this world is and how broken people's lives are, and how broken I am apart from Christ, even with Christ to a degree. It, it fills my heart with a certain joy and gratitude and thankfulness for what Jesus brings us. Because that brokenness, the brokenness of this world is exactly why he came. And the truth is, we see the fingerprints of that mission in the very story that we just read. Specifically, we see it in the two names that he is referred to as. When I think about the importance of a name, uh, usually there's a couple stories from my life that come to mind. And one of them, I've shared this story before, but I figure a lot of you haven't heard me tell this story. And those of you who have may or may not have been listening to me when I told it. So I'm going to tell it again. Um, I, when I was in college, the last girl I dated before Sarah, so this was pre-Sarah, we went out on a first date, as good a first date as you can. And I've asked her, she did, some of you are looking at me and looking at her. She doesn't care if I tell this story, okay? Um, uh, we went out on a date. It was, it went it was well as a, as a date can go. You know, conversation was good and had a lot in common. You know, had some laughs. Uh, walked her back to, to the dorm um, and, and walked her to the door. Did not kiss her because my mama taught me not to kiss on the first date, Okay. And my wife is sitting here, so even if I had, that would be awkward. Um, 
But, you know, we were exchanging the usual pleasantries, you know, had a good time, can we do this again, whatever it was. And, uh, and she looked at me and she smiled and, and, and uh, she said, well, good night, Dave. <laughs> again, my name is Adam, just to clarify. Turns out uh, her dad's name was Dave and my roommate's name was Dave. And before we ever met, she thought my name was Dave. So Dave came out. Names are important, aren't they? It's the most basic form of identification that we have, is simply your name. And in our story that we just read, we see, uh, we see two names given to this child who would be born. And the first one, obviously, is Jesus. The angel tells Joseph, she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We should know Mary and Joseph didn't they didn't pour over books of 50,000 baby names. They didn't scour the internet looking for the perfect name. Everybody knows they didn't have the internet. Internet was really sketchy in their neck of the woods at that day. So they didn't they didn't just pour over all these names deciding on the perfect name for their child. No. God named this child. God named this child And he named him specifically, God saves. That's what Jesus means. That's what the word, the name means, God saves. The truth is, it was a really common name of the day. Who wouldn't want to name your child God saves? And how fitting that the Christ or the Messiah would be named God saves, I mean, after all, the people of Israel knew that the Messiah was going to come to save them from Rome. But that's not what Matthew writes, is it? Matthew says the angel, he didn't say the angel told Joseph to name this child Jesus because he would save them from Rome. He tells Joseph to name this child Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's good news for us, folks. Because Rome is long gone. That means nothing to us. If all he came to do was to save Israel from Rome, that means nothing to us, but he came to save us from our sins. And that is good news today. God is communicating through the the very name of his son what his mission is, which is to save his people from their sins. Where Jesus, uh, Jesus reflects, his name reflects his mission So I want to ask you this morning, um, you know, Rick Warren says there's a, there's a reason that the, the front windshield of your car is this big and the rear view mirror is this big, because looking ahead of you is a lot more important than looking behind you. But in your car, there is a rear view mirror. There is some value in looking behind you when you're driving. And that's true in life. While we don't want to live in the past, and we don't want to, certainly don't want to live in shame from our past, we want to look forward, uh, there can be some value from looking back. So I want to ask you, just, just humor me for a minute. I want to ask you, in fact, everybody just close your eyes for a second. I want to ask you, take a second to think about what in your mind are the worst things that you've ever said or done. What are the worst sins that you've ever committed in in your mind?
Can you open your eyes? Hurts to think about, doesn't it? Listen to this. And really internalize this. Jesus came to forgive even those sins. Even the ones that still haunt you. Even the ones that you just wish, man, if I could only go back. Jesus died even to forgive those. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you're saying, Adam, you don't know, what the, you don't know the things that I just imagined. I've sinned too much. My sin is too deep. Do you realize what you're saying when you say that is you're telling Jesus what he did on the cross wasn't enough for you. Might be enough for other people, but it's not enough for you. Do you realize there's kind of a twisted, a twisted type of pride in that? But here's the good news. Jesus died to save you from that too. The worst things that you and I have said or done, he came to save us from all of those things. Can we allow that to bring us some joy today? Stop looking in the rearview mirror now. Now let's look ahead, okay? Leave those in the past. Because Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, if you believe that he is your only hope of salvation, then those things are in the past and we don't have to live there anymore. We can look back at him to thank him for what he's done, but don't live there. So can we just allow that to bring us some joy today? That he has saved us from our sins in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our, it's not supposed to be like this, can we take a moment to just zero in on the fact that this little baby that we are celebrating grew up, took our sins to the cross, and died so that we can have abundant life now and eternal life when this life is over? That should bring us joy today, folks, even in the midst of our brokenness. We can have peace. We can, ha we can have joy in the midst of all of it. We can even have hope because of the eternal life that he gives us. See, what Jesus did brings us hope that all of this is passing away. Everything in this life has an expiration date. You realize that? Every season we go through, all the brokenness, it all has an expiration date. Let me ask you, so when it comes to expiration dates, there's two kinds of people, right? On this end of the spectrum, there's, there's a, you know, if it expires on December 10th, then at 12.01 of December 11th, you're throwing it away, right? That's the, that's the extreme on this end. Some of you are looking at each other. And then at the other end, you have, you know, it's six months expired and it has a little something growing on it. But, you know, if I cut that off, it's probably okay. Um, <laughs> So most of us are somewhere in the middle, right? So raise your hand if you're more on this end where at 1201 you're throwing it. Raise your hand if you're closer to that end. Okay, raise your hand if, if you psychos are closer to this end. Okay, so what inevitably happens, I'm on this end. What inevitably happens is people 
on this end find people from this end and they get married. (laughs) But here's what I want you to remember. Next time you're looking at an expiration date, wherever you are on that spectrum, will you just let it remind you that everything in this world, all the brokenness, has an expiration date. It's temporary, folks. Because of what that little baby who was miraculously conceived has done. And bring joy from that. And when you see the name Jesus or you hear the name Jesus or, or we sing in our songs about Jesus, let your mind go to what that name actually means. God saves And find joy in that. Well, the second name by which Jesus is called in this story is Emmanuel. Look, the virgin will conceive. He's quoting Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This little baby is God with us. Where Jesus gives us his mission, Emmanuel gives us his very identity. He is God with us. Jesus was more than a prophet. He was more than a teacher. In fact, he was more than the Messiah. He was and is God in the flesh. And he is with us. Here's the cool thing about Matthew. Matthew, again, he's he's quoting Isaiah here. And uh, it's kind of weird, though, throughout the rest of the book of Matthew, nowhere does anybody actually call him Emmanuel. Do you ever think about that? It says they will call him Emmanuel. Well, nowhere in the rest of Matthew or anywhere else is he called Emmanuel. So why does Matthew include that? Well, if you go to the very end of the book of Matthew, anybody know how the, how, how the book ends? It ends with Jesus' words, I am what? With you, always, even to the end of the age. Matthew practically begins and does end his book with the reminder, with the truth that God is with us. His story begins and ends with the truth that God is with us. Where is God in the midst of our, it's not supposed to be like this? Where is God in the midst of that? He is with us. He is walking with us. He is carrying us. He is strengthening us in ways we may not even realize Can we let that truth fill us with some peace today? In in, uh, Psalm 23, David says, uh, he says, he doesn't fear the valley of the shadow of death. Not because it's not scary. But what does he say? For you are with me. 
David doesn't fear the valley of the shadow of death because God is with him. Folks, God's presence is everything. Everything we need in life is found in the presence of God. And the very name of Jesus is God is with us, Emmanuel. So if you're in the midst today of an it's not supposed to be like this season, my prayer is one, that you'll find joy in your salvation. That's another, that's another phrase David writes. In Psalm 51, after, he's been, uh, after he basically was caught having an affair with Bathsheba, and then he had her husband murdered to cover it up, and he writes this, this beautiful prayer of confession and repentance. We know it as Psalm 51, and in the midst of that, he prays, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation, the joy of of your salvation. I pray that if you're in the midst of it today, that you'll find joy, if not in the circumstances, that you'll find joy in knowing that he has saved your soul. Let your joy come from that. Because nobody can take that away from you. Circumstances change but the truth that Jesus came to save your soul and give you abundant life now and eternal life later, that doesn't change. So find joy in that and find peace in knowing that God is walking with you through it. Find joy in the salvation that Jesus provides and find peace in knowing that God is walking with you through it. So as the band comes and and we sing again, um, let me leave you with my favorite Christmas verse of all. I say this every year. Some of you may know where I'm going with this. Uh, There's no angels in this verse. There's no shepherds. There's no mangers. but, But I still think this is the best Christmas verse in all the Bible, and it's this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's a Christmas verse, folks that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God's great love is the reason for all of this. Everything that we've said today, it's about his love. It's the reason that we can have joy and it's the reason we can have peace even when it's not supposed to be like this. In fact, it's the reason that Jesus came in the first place. And his love is the reason that we can trust him no matter what. Will you just pray that prayer this morning? Will you pray, God, thank you for sending Jesus to save my soul. God, thank you for walking with me through all the mountains and valleys of life. And God, thank you for your love. Because of your great love, I will trust you. I'll trust you through the brokenness. I'll trust you through the valleys. I'll trust you when it's not supposed to be like this. Because I trust in your love. God saves you. And God is with you. Because he loves you. So as we all stand... um, If you'd like to come pray this morning, 
um, then I, I want to invite you to do that. Um, and you know, folks, you don't have to be a pastor to pray with somebody at the altar. If you see somebody here at the altar and you just feel compelled to go pray with them, go pray with them. And if you're here and somebody prays with you and you don't really want to share with them what's on your mind, you don't have to. But maybe you want to come pray about your, it's not supposed to be like this. Or maybe somebody else's, it's not supposed to be like this. Or maybe you'd like to just come forward this morning and say, God, thank you for saving my soul. And thank you for walking with me. However you feel led this morning, let's continue to worship him.